Good morning. Bring the greetings from Milmead. Um, I don't look her, and not quite as attractive as Karen is, but uh, she's a happier lady because I think she would assure me I am the answer to a maiden's prayer. It doesn't happen very often. But she's had a really very busy, busy week. Do pray for her, particularly tomorrow morning. Um, she's due to preach again this evening, but tomorrow morning she's due to lead her first funeral at Guildford Krem. Well, first funeral ever. It happens to be at Guildford Krem. And it is of a young lad, a, a, a child in five, six, seven, eight years old, four years of which he's suffered of leukemia and he's passed away. But it's a long, strong connection with Latin America. And Karen, as you may know, has a ministry amongst the Latin American families, Las Amigos. And that will be very much uh, a time of um, sorrow, but of joy. And she needed a lot of help and time preparation just to be ready for tomorrow morning. I think it's early, about quarter to 10, 10 o'clock or so. So if you have a moment to think of her, pray for her, uh, do bless her. We're much blessed by her at Millmead, and I'm really very glad to be here. I've always wanted to come back and maybe have the privilege of preaching to you. I'm here now. I'm a retired United Reformed Church minister, but I don't boast about that. I'm not really retired. I'm not really United Reformed. I'm a Baptist just down the road at Millmead and love being there. And our pastor, if he says, Derek, will you? I say, yes, because I like to be like Barnabas. Uh, David and I have got heroes. One is Caleb. My Old Testament hero is Caleb. My gospel hero is Andrew. My Acts of the Apostles hero is, without doubt, Barnabas. And I'm sorry if you're looking at Nehemiah and in a sequence, but you don't get Nehemiah this morning from me. Um, every time I thought of Nehemiah, I think he's one of my heroes too, because he's much too busy to get off the wall and come down and muck about with things down here. So uh, you've got me looking at one of my favorites, Barnabas. Um, and somewhere up front, if we look at the wonders of technology, uh, I just want you to just, I, I got these things on, um, if it helps you later on, there's not a lot of space to write your shopping list, but on the back, you, you could if you wish. You, you have copies of the, uh, the notes that I'm doing, so you can check my theology. Or not. Um, an apostle, according to uh, Luke, in his way of looking at it, is to say someone who is sent. And there's a very strong tradition, although um, it's not affirmed in the Gospels as such, that uh, maybe Barnabas was one of the 72 who were sent by Jesus, went out to the highways and byways into the towns and villages to, to preach and to heal and to proclaim the Gospel. And that clearly was his destiny, uh, certainly according to St. Luke in, in, in the Acts. Somebody was sent out having known Jesus from the resurrection. But clearly, Barnabas knew a load of folks, key people in the Gospels, who did meet the resurrection Jesus. There's John Mark. He's the first Gospel compiler. There's Peter, the first spokesman on behalf of the apostles. And later on, as you'll see, Paul, the first missionary to the Gentile world. Am I doing that right? That's okay. So you got that one. Um, somebody said, watch Barnabas, because he's doing what God wishes every man and woman to be or not doing, but just being like him. And I've done my best. When we left out 40 odd, 50 odd years nearly of ministry in other places and in another denomination, Jerry and I committed ourselves to say, we will not do the when I thing. You know, when I was doing this, when I was doing that, in our new church, we promised that we would just be Barnabases, if that's possible. 
You know the buses, they always come along in twos and threes. Well, um, no, you don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. I'm working. I, the, the whole thing is simply that we need the encouragement of the experience that God has given us to be able to share that with others, but not to dump it on them, but to just be, be an encourager and, when necessary, speak encouragement. And that's what we committed ourselves to do. I'm thinking of Sally. She was in our first church um, in, in Westborough. Um, we did nearly 20 years in the Westborough area, part barn of, of Guildford near the hospital. And Sally, most days now, still not full-time but part-time, will take a group of youngsters, 10, 8, 10-year-olds, and speak with them about um, the wonders of the universe or play some music. It could be Queen of the Night from Mozart or it could be Freddie Mercury's Queen. But whichever it is, she will encourage those youngsters to see a bigger world and a richer world. So the beauty, she does, to every school teacher, anyone here who has any connections with schools, you have my love and appreciation for just what you do amongst youngsters. I want to think of Bert. One of the things I'm allowed and privileged to do is to take funerals for people who don't have a church connection. And that's something that keeps me occupied and makes sure I'm out of mischief most days. Um, Bert was one whom I went to see, or at least his family. Bert had passed away. He'd been a bus driver, just a bus driver. Until you unpack the story, that's why I love doing the funerals. You spend time hearing older people's experience, mostly. And Bert was part of uh, his teenage years in the war and part of a small little group of, um, of guys working in a, 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 a dugout facing war conditions face on and a grenade was thrown into that little ditch and Bert decided to save the lives of the other seven people in that uh, ditch by laying across the top of the, gr the grenade. Of course he was bitterly horribly injured, but enough to say he had two, two months or so in uh, a field hospital, two years in a military hospital, and he survived and came through and drove safeguard buses and all the rest. But an unsung hero, you would not know, oh, he's just a bus driver. No, he's a man of incredible courage and great uh, fearsome ability to save the lives of others. Um, there's Joe. Joe's a council uh, worker, lives on a council house up in, in Wood Street and loved his wife dearly, but she'd passed away. And I, I just heard her story, and I said, well, Joe, what did you do? He said, well, I worked for the council. Yeah, but what did you do? I, I, I drove, I was a driver. What sort of vehicle? One of the big ones. What was it? Well, it was a cesspit emptying machine in the 1950s. How long did you do that for, Joe? 23 years? He emptied the crud and the mess of the subterranean muck that came out of the big houses in Cranley. I would have done it for three minutes. He did it 23 years. And an unsung hero, doing a very distasteful job with great dedication. They're out there. They're here. They're wherever you would look and find everyone has a unique story to share, usually a great bravery and kindness. And that's a Barnabas story. There's a whole thing about nobody being ordinary because each of us are extraordinary in God's eyes. And when you peel back the stories, that really is true. And that's part of the blessing I can give and I receive when we talk about someone's life at the end when we do a funeral together. Let's talk about Barnabas. 
He's described as a teacher and a prophet. That's no mean accolade. To be prophetic and to be able to speak into people's lives with an income and an understanding from God that enables them to know. A good teacher, you can tell by the way the students learn. And people were encouraged by Barnabas's ministry and presence as he spoke and did God's things in their lives. He was an apostle sent out. We've mentioned that already. One through whom God did miraculous. If you want me back again, God forbid, I say God forbid, but um, there's a second sermon that goes with this, and that's more about Barnabas, the risk taker. Because at the moment, I'm thinking of Barnabas, the bold, the compassionate. But he took immense risks in 25 minutes, which is hard for me to deal with. Um, you're not here today, but if you want me again, it's up to you. There is more to say about him. He was born in Salamis, that's in Cyprus. He was of the tribe of Levi. And the upshot was basically that um, he was connected by family. Most people are. Um, are you, is this the case? You've got a, rel- a relative or somebody in the church? Yeah? Is it tribal here, like it is in most <laughs> churches? Well, it is in most churches. And that's how most churches grow. You know? um, it is through that connection. And his Aunt Mary had a home group for prayer in their home in Jerusalem. She'd belonged in, in the Jerusalem church, but Barnabas was away in Cyprus because his dad had um, been a Levite. He wasn't allowed to own property in Israel, but being a Jew, he was quite resourceful. And so he finds a portfolio for property ownership out of Israel, but in Cyprus. And so he has houses and plots of land and and availability, which passed down the family line. So Barnabas is relatively secure financially because of the income that comes from his housing. And as you'll see, that's really important later on. And he was most, most certainly related to John Mark, uncle, Uncle Barnabas, for John Mark, the young lad who gave us the first tabloid gospel, out of which Luke and Matthew presented a broadsheet gospel for the Gentiles, Luke for, um, for the Jewish people, um, Matthew. And then John comes along, doesn't give us a newspaper, he gives us a portrait. But that's another story again, so yet another sermon. Um, I want to tell you what happened in his homeland of Cyprus, and it occurred on, according to archaeological record, on the 21st of July, and the year was 365. There was a dreadful earthquake, and many people were devastated, lost their lives, homeless, and that is still possible to go and unearth some of the evidence of that dreadful event. And you'll be aware of the dreadful situation affecting the dam that has burst in Latin America just now. Just pray for those people. They excavated there and found um, in that short 25 seconds, so it's estimated, uh, disturbance of this earthquake when hundreds were killed. There was just a young couple. And underneath the rubble, they found this young man, maybe 20, 25 years old, that he'd been um, crushed, his head had been battered in, his wife he was holding alongside her, her back broken, and amongst them, between them, trying to shelter, was their little baby. 
As the archaeologists have dug around that ruin in that particular broken house, they found a small ring, a little bronze ring, on which was inscribed this. There were two initial letters of Jesus the Christ, J-C, in the Greek letters. And also the Greek letters were Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And this is 300 and something years after Saul and Barnabas had evangelized his home country. We've got the evidence of saying just simply the missionary activity of this man Barnabas who put his arm around Paul, Saul, at the time when he was fearfully and disturbingly rejected by the people of God in Jerusalem. Understandably, he puts his arm around this young man and enables him to find and flourish in a great ministry. Doesn't mind that he's called Zeus and Marabas, you know, is Paul's conductor of the great orchestra of God's music in the early days of the church. Barnabas is pushed out to be sort of second fiddle in the back. Does he mind? No, because that's the nature of Barnabas. So there you have the story that has affected effective ministry not just affected, effective ministry that Paul and Barnabas began on Barnabas' homeland. Evidence of it 300 years later on. How many people have you, oh, you won't know this answer, but how many people do you imagine you've prayed for over the years when from this church or from other churches you've been associated with, you've prayed that they'd be able to flourish in their ministry, to find that the skills and talents God's given them, you've wanted them to grow and you've seen them grow and you've sent them out. One of, here I am going to do when I, um, when we were in East, East London, we had a, a, a motley group of people from 50 different nations, great people they were, but out of which in that back end of Newham, just from West Ham's football ground as it used to be. We sent 25 people out into ministry from uh, a ministry of 15 years when we were together. And we prayed for those youngsters. And they saw, because God in his grace sent us about 20 or more different ministers to work with, with, with us. People who came from the States and other places to want to work with refugees and the poor and impoverished people of East London. And by just their example, People were selected here and there by the Holy Spirit to come and go and go out. They were always our best people. We had to start all over again, but that didn't matter. That's what God was doing. He was influencing people for good by the example of those who serve God well. Now, how many people have you prayed for just like that? You, you won't know. And when the story is eventually told and the books are open, you will be stunned and surprised by the influence you've had. Simply through your prayer, through your faithfulness, through your encouragement, from your willingness to be here and be God's people for this people in this community for this time, as long as he keeps us here on the planet. I want to thank you for the faithfulness that you've offered over the years in this place. And pray you'll go on doing so. Because that has made an immense impact for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you about Albert McMakin? Do you know, do anybody recognize the name? David, you know. Albert was a, an almost unknown local farmer who worked in North Carolina in a, every Sunday trying to do 
something with the Bible and something with spiritual influence for a group of rowdy kids and youngsters, particularly boys, who were very bored. There was nothing going on in Charlotteville one week on to the next. Sunday afternoon, this is what Albert did faithfully year on year on year. And then he heard, we're in the mid-1930s, by the way, um, he heard that there was a mission going on just a, a while away by someone called a Dr. Mordecai Ham. It was in his fourth week. And Albert was quick enough to realize that this could be something of interest for these young lads. So he said, we'll go, just to hear Dr. Ham before this mission finishes. And you'll, I'll see to you with transport, pile into my truck and we'll go. And amongst those youngsters was a guy who loved to drive. His name was Billy Frank. And Albert gave him the keys to the truck whilst he shepherded all people into the back, all these youngsters. And that evening, Dr. Ham preached the gospel. And this young man realized that his sins were laid before the foot of the cross. And he was converted. And his life was changed. Do you know who I'm talking about? You got it. It was him. That one. Billy Graham. Billy Frank was Billy Graham, and Albert McMakin was his Sunday school teacher, and this unknown farmer, but for the glory that God had showered upon his life, gave him patience and faithfulness and goodness to influence one young man who preached to about a third of the world's population. God rest his soul, and God bless him so much. He's one of my heroes, too. <laughs> but just to recognize there would be no Billy Graham no worldwide evangelistic thing, but for the simple thing done by an ordinary bloke trying to do his best to look after a Sunday school class of boys. That's how God works. It's a seed that's planted and grows. It's a tiny grain of sand in an oyster that eventually produces a pearl. It's simple things, it's small beginnings, it's the way God works. And he needs guys and women like you and me. In fact, having said that, uh, who can you see? Yeah? You still got it? I've shown you God's glory. Even there. Do you see anything particular about this? There's a clean bit in the middle, and there's not such a good bit the side, which is exactly how God works with us. He takes the scruffy bits, it starts from the inside out and starts to show his glory from the inside out. So have a look at God's glory and know that that's who you are. How do I say that? I'll show you on the clicker. Because God says he is revealing his glory through people like you and me, not just the superheroes. Would you like to say that with me? I don't care if you don't want to, but you're going to, please. Now all of us reflect the glory of the Lord as if we were mirrors. And so we are being transformed, metamorphosized, by the way, um, into the same image from the one radiance of glory to another, just as the Spirit of the Lord accomplishes it. Good on you. Metamorphosis, caterpillar. Chrysalis, butterfly. Waterbug, dragonfly. Still the same essence, but entirely changed. That's what a metamorphosis does.
And that's what God does with us. He changes from what we were into what he wants us to be. People were not worthy, but fit to belong with him for eternity. That's his plan. And he's starting from the inside out with you, with me. We are transformed by his glory. So be encouraged, because that's what God's doing with you. It's not a clever preacher or, you know, a, a, somebody who just is, does their best with the, the Sunday school or whatever. It is that exact plan being fulfilled in yours and in my life. So if you think working at the top, let's take Jesus as our mentor. But let's take Barnabas as an example, because what that man's done is quite incredible. If you want to study it, it's a great story about an ordinary person's life. One of the things is, of course, he was incredibly generous. And he learned to give away. Yes, those to whom much is given from those much is expected. So the probability is, being a, re a relatively well-to-do property owner, he knows how to give it away. Because God will multiply again. Not because that's the case, but that's the, the knock-on effect. The more generous we are, the more God still manages to provide for us, because he likes that. And so he trusts that in giving away the resources God has given him, that will bless many people. I want you to know just how effective what Christianity is doing in this country. It's not altogether headline hitting, and there's a lot of challenges and pressures and bias and sometimes hostility against Christians. But a couple of years ago, there's a group called uh, the Cinnamon Network decided that they would try to find out exactly what Christians are providing for in the national economy through our volunteer and our social action programs. And what they found out was based on a survey, if you like, of four and a half thousand faith groups, principally Christian was that those social action programs run in their area had made a significant impact upon the quality of life for many, many people who are served through our voluntary processes. 298, uh, 888 faith-based projects are run by nearly 2 million volunteers. 1,109, I can't do the sums. I don't need to, I can't say it very well. But if you want to say it, it's 1 million, you want to say it? 1,910,413 volunteers. How many of you volunteer some of your time and some of your talents just to serve somebody else in the name of Jesus? Doesn't have to be in this place, somewhere. Good for you. Any more? You've done so in the past. Maybe you don't quite have the opportunity just now. But your work is not unnoticed. It is clocked up on God's record of his goodness. We don't have to come up for judgment. Is it a heaven or hell thing? No. If we trust in Jesus and the cross stands before us, then we are given, by God's grace, entry, free entry into his kingdom. But we are judged. And there's a quaint little verse somewhere that Paul writes about receiving a reward of gold and silver and precious stones over and against the hay and the straw and the stubble that those who choose not to use their gifts for God's purposes will eventually receive. So what's our heritage? 
We are saving for the national economy three billion pounds worth of local support because we're using the volunteers that belong in the Christian family. We're using our buildings, stepping stones meet here. We had in, in Plasto, in, actually in, in Stratford, East Stratford, we had our own nursery school and it was called Stepping Stones. And through Stepping Stones, dozens of young women were equipped to be able to serve and go into full-time work as childminding and nursery attendants. It's a simple knock-on thing. But the economy benefits it incredibly so. Brexit notwithstanding. Why are we doing this? It's a two-fold thing. With Christians, it's a hand and a heart thing. The heart thing is because God has been so generous to us, we want to give back to him. That's what Barnabas was doing. That he's given free, and it came out beautifully in some of the songs you had earlier, just how generous he is towards us, and that we'll be able to share his company eternally. And that's the hand thing. Because we know we're going to spend eternity in his company, whilst we're here, this side of the grave, we want to. We're almost required to. We want to. Our desire is to serve him in the face of other people. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So, when the time comes, and for some of us that's a bit sooner than most, when they look at what we leave, there's a song that Tim Wood, Tim, Tim sings. After all the hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. And here's the message. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that they leave lead them to believe, and the lives we live inspire them to obey. Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. You got new grandchildren coming? Have you got your great-grandchildren, some of you? They need to see faithfulness in you. They need to, and you can take the time to prepare your funeral with them. Take it out and look at it. Because you're not scared of dying. You might not like to look at the process of dying. But there's no fear in death if you trusted Jesus Christ. So you can take that out and help them when the time comes. So many people I see push it away. And, they, and even those of faith. And it seems to do the gospel a disservice. Let them see how faithful you have been. If not by your, your words, by your actions down the years. Oh, I stood it all right? No, just about here now, isn't it? If you think you're a weird bunch of people, you don't look like it, but you could be. Um, just take a quick stock. The sort of people that God has chosen, not many people are wise. Not many people are strong. You, you know that bit in, in 1 Corinthians. None of us are wise, not many, according to world standards. Not many are mighty, not many are mo noble, but God has chosen the weak things. Here's the weak things. Us. In order to confound the wise. And God has chosen the base things. Me and you. To despise uh, to, uh, the despised people. Because God often chooses those who are nothing. 
in order to nullify the things that are. That's 1 Corinthians. That's another identikit for the Christian. Here's a few more. If you think Christianity is sometimes weird people, how is it they always end up in church? You know, the difficult people, the awkward ones, the ones that don't fit in. Well, where else would they go? They belong here. Abraham, after all, was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused by his brothers. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor and fearful. Samson, codependent. David, a man after God's heart, was an adulterer and a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric. Peter was hot and impulsive, hot-tempered, loud. Might have been Nigerian. You're not Nigerian, are you? No, I hope not. Matthew worried a lot, or Martha worried a lot. Matthew was a tax gatherer and, and stole from the public community. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. He was a thief. Thomas had his doubts. Timothy was timid, had stomach problems. Paul was a fanatic, a jihadist. But God took every one of them and made them special in his kingdom. Made them mentors, examples for faith for us. Ordinary people, extraordinary change because of God. Just like he's doing for you. Just like he's using this church to do that. So if you think you're a bunch of nobodies, in, God's, in the world's eyes you are. But in God's eyes you're so special. So hang on to that one and make Barnabas something like your example to carry on the rest of your lives. Thanks for listening to me. Would you like your watch back, Derek? Thank you. Thank you, Derek, and a lot to, to consider there. So uh, we're going to have the opportunity now actually to, um, to give back um, some of what the Lord has given us. We're going to sing a song. We're going to sing Holy Spirit, um, uh, Living Breath of God, because without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do the Lord's work. And during that time, we're going to give back some of the money that we... Um, have been blessed with so that we can pass that on to the organisation Compassion um, who um, support people, uh, children in other parts of the world where, with education and health care and that sort of thing. And what is so wonderful is, as Derek was saying, that you know, let's think about the people who will come after us what legacy will we leave? And with, with Compassion, I think we've seen um, a film some months ago where um, now adults who were supported by compassion are in turn helping the, the younger people. So uh, let's stand and sing. I did leave some tins around um, if you'd like to pass those around. That would be wonderful. Let's stand and sing Holy Spirit, Living Breath of God. Mm -hmm. 